This is Solid Talk. Speaking out loud in depth. Check it out. Speaking out loud in depth. Cancel culture can't keep me in check. In front beginning, gotta tell us what's next. True believers, they can come and connect. Call in or even come as a guest and show each other respect. Let's go ahead and get into this. God bless you, family. Praise the Lord. My name is Brother Greg. This is Solid Talk, speaking out loud in depth. I'm joined by some very special guests, men of God who were gracious enough to come on and have this discussion. That's much needed, very important. So, man, I want to just give everybody an opportunity to just say hello to the folks and introduce themselves. If you follow this channel closely, you probably have seen all of these brothers at least once. But I'm going to start with you, Brother Randy, and just um, go ahead and greet the people and uh, say hello. And then after we go around, we're just going to hop right into this discussion. Hello, everyone. Uh, Brother Randy here. Um, I'm happy to be back. Uh, I've done a few solid talks, and I'm happy to, to be participating in this discussion. You can go ahead, Marcus. Sorry, I was on mute. So hello, everyone. My name is Marcus. Um, I've been on not a solid talk, but I think it was more like a forum um, type situation with uh, Greg and others. So I'm just glad uh, Greg invited me back and um, just hope everybody's blessed. Hey, everybody. How you doing? Um, uh, It's Brother Justin again. Um, I was on here like, uh, I think maybe like two or three times. It's always a blessing to come together and um around good godly people have um true discussions about things that are sometimes difficult to talk about so um i pray that everybody be blessed from around the things that god's gonna lead us to say all right god bless you family uh brother nate um greg is a like a real true brother to me and i'm just on just to you know weigh on in on uh things we need to talk about those difficult topics so god bless y'all so we interrupted Nate's dinner time. So I'm especially grateful that he came on. <laughs> I'll, I'll be right God. back. But but in all sincerity, I thank God for these brothers. Each and every one of them keeps me keeps me in check in some way. So I praise God for you. But fellas, we're going to get right into this discussion now. Please don't throw stones at me. But I want to reference this whole um, <laughs> Will Smith, Chris Rock thing just for a moment. That's not what we're talking about here all night tonight. But the reason why is because the more I heard commentary about who's right, who's wrong, you know, uh, what people thought about Will Smith and all of this, the more I realized that it really boiled down to what people's view of masculinity is. And so what's amazing to me is that so many people can look at the same action. Right. And, And by action, I mean. Will Smith slapping Chris Rock. Every So many can look at the same action. And on one end of the spectrum, you have some people saying that, man, what he did was chivalrous. It was the epitome of masculinity. It was the manly thing to do. He took up for his wife, etc. Then on the same spectrum, you can have other people look at the exact same event and then say that it's, uh, he was emotional, it was feminine, he didn't display any restraint, any type of uh, really masculinity at all. It was really a feminine act, what he did. And so I really started thinking about the fact that we have 
varying degrees of what manhood really is. And so what I want to do is I want to open up. I'm going to start with you, Brother Randy, and just ask this question. How is it possible that so many people can witness the exact same thing, but then as it relates to manhood, can have a completely different opinion about it? Um, well, everyone has a different view of what masculinity is. That's interesting, though, that uh, um, that if a man does that, I've heard I, I definitely heard the take that it was chivalrous and he was taken up for his wife. Um, I've heard Will Smith been accused of being soft and feminine um, in other instances. But I didn't hear people call him soft for for doing that. Um, um, I think the closest thing to that was people were saying that if it was Dwayne Rock Johnson, he wouldn't have um, slapped the the host. Um, so I guess in a sense they're calling him soft. Um, the scripture says that uh, that the the devil Lucifer is the father of all lies, and so lies um can come in many many different form and there's only one truth um and a father is a person that um that shapes the image of a child and if we're talking about the dynamics between a father and a son that son eventually becomes a man and his mind and his self-image has been shaped by his father which could be a lie so there's a lot of people believing a lot of lies and from their upbringing through the adolescent and through the man, young man into the adulthood stage, um, their perception of manhood and the 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 um, behavior that's been positively affirmed in their lives could just all be based on a lot. And so we know this from like the culture, the immediate culture in front of all of us, which is like the hip hop um, culture, um, that perception and that image of masculinity that's put forth through the music and the everything else with the culture that comes with it. That's that's a lie. And so it's no wonder that a lot of people can have a lot of different takes on on what Will Smith did. Yeah, that's a good point, brother. And this is what we'll do, fellas. Like, if anybody wants to say anything, just go ahead and raise your hand. Like, literally raise it and then just hop in there. One of the things I've noticed is some people seem like they're hungry for something. You know, like the people that I've seen apologize for what Will Smith did. One of the things that they said was, I just like the fact that he showed some form of masculinity. And what they meant by that was aggression. So basically what's happening is, okay, there's been such an attack on masculinity in this country and in this society for such a long time and everything's getting soft. The football is getting soft. Uh, the NBA is getting soft. Um, the companies, all of these different type of things, everything is so politically correct that it's like folks have become hungry just for something that even looks like masculinity. And so what they've done is they've kind of associated an aggressive act with him being masculine, right? Just because they're thirsty for something. 
I guess another example of this would be somebody like a Donald Trump, right? When he came on the scene, uh, some people viewed him as masculine because their thing was he's finally speaking up when everybody else is being quiet. And so we're really what I'm what I'm really learning about this is it really depends on like the action and the justification as to whether it really is a masculine act or not. People who view something as necessary, it's necessary that we speak out against these things. It's necessary that you protect your woman and all this type of stuff. That's what makes it justified or unjustified in a person's mind, right? And so this whole idea of um, hungering and thirsting for something that's absent and then just taking the quickest version that you can find, whether it's accurate or not, but it just it's just something. What do you guys think about that? Do you think that this country in some way is hungry for some form of masculinity? And are we settling for it? I know I'd be asking them SAT questions. My fault. I ain't trying to. <laughs> wow. I'm not trying to stump you. I just want to have a little go discussion. First, um, I'll, I'll go out to you, bro. Okay. I guess I'll jump in, man. Um, so, first of all, I'll say this, man. Our country has definitely turned their backs on God. Um, we don't have a fear or a reverence for God, man. So, a lot of stuff is confusing to a lot of people. That's why. Some people can see this Will Smith thing one way. Some people can see it another way. Um, I would say, yeah, not only the country, but our world definitely is hungry for some uh, masculinity. Like, I mean, I saw not not too long ago, Greg, you you brought this to my attention, man. Like, I think it was on like a magazine cover where like Pharrell was in like a dress or, or something. And it, it was just like that crazy stuff, man. And it's just like, when you start to see things like this, man, I feel like they're trying to put us to sleep. Like they're trying to push this agenda, you know, for, you know, you know, women are in power and things like that. And, and that's fine. But, you know, there's an order like not as like women are supposed to overtake like men or whatever the case may be. So I feel like we got this feminist movement going and, you know, women, you know, they, they can do their thing or whatever. That's fine. But it's just I, I don't know. man. It, it's, it's just crazy, man. I feel like they're just kind of trying to push this whole agenda, man, whereas, you know, women can do just as much as men. And and that may be true in some areas, but we have to realize we have different roles, man. So I don't know. I just think a lot of it has to do with this whole feminist movement, man. And it's just like some, you know, it's like I just feel like the people of God have not really, I don't know. I mean, have we not really stepped up and stepped in and said what we needed to say when it comes to these things? Because, I don't know, man. It's just a lot going on. That's all I got to say about that, man. Were you going to say something, Jay? Oh, yeah. Um, I totally agree with that. And also, I feel like this situation really um, stems from a lack of identity, really know who he is, because it's okay to step step up and defend your wife because, you know, you know you're going to get married, so you understand, like, if somebody says something about your wife, you're going to confront them. I feel like what I would have did personally was I would have went after the show and approached him like, hey, you know, my wife didn't really like that. But him not showing uh, self-restraint, people think that's, that's being a man. No, true men have self-control. It's kind of like Moses. Moses um, was very meek. And you seen it when he, like, um, the ground opened up and swallowed people uh, for his sake. He knew who he was, and he showed self-restraint. It's just like with the um, the two disciples try to call fire down from heaven. 
Jesus was like, no, 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 no. You don't do that. That's not that's not showing self-restraint. We don't just, you know, attack people. It's okay to stand up and defend and um and do things like that, but it's kind of showing who really run the household. And we can go back to the point where um, you know, she was in entanglement with August Alcina. Perversion is already present in the household. When you let the devil in, of course he's gonna wreak havoc. And you know, then now Will Smith, because I, I even have a story about Will Smith in this book. I haven't read it, but my friend told me. Um, um Will Smith know about Jesus Christ. Like his auntie um know God. So he had an opportunity to come to Christ, but he chose the world, he chose fame. That's why a lot of people like Will Smith because he has a call of God on his life, but he chose the world. And when you choose the world, the world gonna have his way with you. And now we're talking about him, belittling him. But what we really need to do also is pray for him that um you know he give his life to Christ and um and in the body of Christ we have to stop tearing people down when they make mistakes, you know, because his mistake was on broad TV. But sometimes we know people make mistakes in secret and we don't pray for them and lift them up like we need to. So that's my opinion on that. So it sounds like you're saying the masculine thing to do in that particular situation would have been to show restraint. I'm gonna ask you this question, Marcus. Is there is there a time I got you, Randy? Is there a time, Marcus, to show restraint versus a time to show aggression? Like, is there a time for both of those? Yeah, I think um, you know, the Bible talks about um, you know, both. You know, there's you know, in the old testament it talks about preachers who won't bark who won't say anything, who won't, you know, or dogs who won't bark, like a sheepdog is supposed to show aggression with, when necessary. But um, I think the situation in particular with Will Smith was, um, you know, I don't agree with his reaction. You know, um, I think that he could have used self-control. I agree with, um, you know, Jay in that instance that he could have used self-control because, I mean, if somebody's going to physically attack your wife, of course, that's your responsibility to protect her. But as Christians, you know, from a biblical point of view, a lot of people are going to say a lot of things about us. I know Will Smith is not a Christian, but he had the opportunity. Like I've heard that uh, story as well. But I mean, a lot of things, are, a lot of people are going to say a lot of things about us. So if somebody's cursing your wife for being a Christian, I mean, what are you going to do? Smack everybody? You know, we are going to be ridiculed at some point, you know. So um, I think the definition of protector is really vague um, from the world standpoint. Um, you know, he hasn't protected his, protected his wife. She's into a lot of things like witchcraft. Um, he hasn't protected his home. You know, you have, you know, one child. Um, who's named after J uh, Jada, I think is, his name is Jaden. He's more feminine acting. And then Willow is more masculine acting. So uh, like Jay said, um, you know, the devil's all in that house. So he hasn't been a protector, but I thought when it was time for him to show restraint, he, you know, he caved. Like the joke was funny at first to him. I mean, everybody saw that. But when he got the look, it showed you who was in charge of that situation. So, you know, it is what it is. Were you going to hop in there, Randy? Yeah. Um, I, I want to just kind of bring up the scripture that says uh, um, everything has its time. There's a, there's a time for war. There's a time for peace and so on and so forth. And just 
um, what Brother Mark just mentioned, <clears throat> I think that basically undermines the whole um, perspective that he was chivalrous or he was taken up for his wife um, because <clears throat> the outrage wasn't genuine because it wasn't from him. Um, when he initially heard the joke, he took it as a joke. Um, and so that showed his true feeling towards the joke. Um, so that outrage was manufactured to prove something or it was in reaction to his wife and her take on the joke. Um, so it's not even about standing up for your wife because that's showing you that he doesn't know where that line is. He doesn't know at what point do I stand up for my wife? He doesn't know what should outrage me. Um, and, and if you just kind of go back to his initial response, that means he had an opportunity to um, speak to his wife, maybe change her perspective and her, and her take on the joke. He could have said, hey, um, you know, don't be offended. Um, don't take it um, wrong, baby, because that's how he truly feel. He felt like it was a joke and he smiled and he, you know, he, he, he took it as if it was funny. So that's his true that was his true heart towards that to, towards that joke. So the outrage was just manufactured out of nowhere. So that I can't really take that seriously. That's like a person. <laughs> if you've ever seen a guy, right? Um, it could be on a basketball court. It could be in a playground some somewhere somehow. I've seen this in different forms, right? We're cool. We're playing a game. Um, it's all good. All of a sudden, a girl shows up. And the aggression level goes up with this person. Um, I've seen this um, the other way, uh, not with a woman, but I've seen this. I've been at a gym and we're, we're sparring, doing some, you know, martial arts and stuff like that. And I'm sparring with a guy and we're going at a certain level. Next thing I know, the guy's trying to kill me. I'm like, yo, what's going on? He's trying to kill me here. And after the sparring match was over, his dad, his dad had showed up. And so he picked things up just to, to impress his father, to show his father that, you know, that he he was good and he could take take me out. So um, with Will Smith, just that aggression that came out of nowhere, that just kind of shows that um, it shows his true heart. It shows that it wasn't genuine. Um, he wasn't really truly outraged um, at what Chris Rock said. Um, and so I don't buy the whole chivalrous thing. I hear what you're saying, brother. That brings up a really great question. And the question is, how should a male, a man, a boy, how should he define his masculinity? Because what I heard in what you were saying is that, okay, if a female comes into the vicinity, now it seems like I have to validate myself. Even in another case that you mentioned, if a if my dad comes in the, in the vicinity, now it feels like I have to validate myself. And so I'm just thinking about how decisions are made because life is just a series of decisions. And so if we look at people in the Bible, you know, Adam made a decision based upon something that his wife presented to him. Samson made decisions based upon what was going on with him and Delilah. Okay. Ahab is making decisions. There's a lot of men in the word of God who made decisions that were motivated by 
various things, oftentimes women. So my question is, okay, what, how should a man define his manhood or what defines a man's manhood? Go ahead, Randy. Okay. I want to jump right into this because this is where my heart is when it comes to this discussion, when you uh, put out the question, um, what is biblical masculinity? Immediately, uh, my mind went to the scripture. Um, I believe it's in First uh, Corinthians. It's in uh, chapter 11, verses 3. And that says, uh, I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Um, I love that scripture. I think that scripture came up before in a solid talk you and I had. I love that scripture because you see different relationships in the scripture and you see a hierarchy of relationships. You see the relationship between God and Christ. You see the relationship between Christ and the man. And you see the relationship between the man and his his woman. And along with that, you see a relationship between a man and his children, his family. I think what's when people talk about masculinity and um even more gender roles they always are defined by how the male relates to the community or his woman and i think that's the wrong route because those attributes and those roles can be manipulated and 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 oftentimes that's what the devil is using to manipulate us uh, i think we we're going to get a little bit more deeper into it when we start talking about some of the other questions. I think the way to go when it comes to defining who the man is and what is masculinity is to know that a man is under Christ and that Christ is the head of the man. And so how is masculinity defined? You are a man, you are in power as a man so long as Christ is your head. So that means that any male on this planet who does not have Christ as his head is already emasculated. Um, because if, if Christ is you're you're made to, to serve under Christ. And I think that's the better route to go. That's the more scriptural route to go versus trying to define ourselves by the roles that we play amongst women or the community. Because if we go back to Genesis, you'll see that Adam was already defined as a being before Eve came into the picture. He had already had a role, already had a relationship, already had an office. And the woman was simply added um, to help him in that role, not to define his role. And so oftentimes we say, OK, this man means this to this woman or this man means this to this community and that defines the 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 value of the man but that's not true um your value comes from your relationship with your creator and his purpose for you and are you walking in that purpose man i saw your hands go up nate were you going to say something about that well let me say this real uh, go ahead go ahead yeah, I was just gonna say, boom, there it is. Let me let me say this real quick. I was honestly, when uh he was when brother Randy was talking, I was honestly about to say like something very similar about what we find our identity in. But 
I want you to go ahead because I want to, uh, you know, flip that question again. But go ahead. Yeah. So so as Randy was talking, what came to mind is that scripture that talks about being effeminate, you know, how uh, effeminate is not something that a man should be. And oftentimes when we read that scripture, we're thinking about feminine mannerisms and things like that. But I've heard it taught that that word effeminate really means a man that's out of place. So when you really think about that, it does make sense that th that man should be defined by Christ. And it seems like what Randy is saying, and I agree with this, is that we're getting so much of our definition on a horizontal from women, from the world, okay, from how much money I have, from all of these different type of things. But what it really boils down to is, okay, who does God say I am? You know, if God is the creator of all things, that means that he defines all things. Right. He has that authority. He has that ability. Right. To be able to do that. And so I'm glad you 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 raised that point. Anybody else have any thoughts about that, about what Randy said or just about what defines a man in general? Go ahead, Jay. Yeah, I don't know if you're speaking, uh, but take you off mute. I don't think you're on mute. We having a little trouble hearing you. I don't think you. Okay. Say something, brother. Okay, my bad, Jay. I can't tell if you're really saying anything or not, but we're not really hearing anything. I don't think you're on mute, so yeah, I don't know. He's if... not. He might have to. I don't know. He might have to drop out and come back in. I'm not sure, but okay. yeah, we can't hear you. Okay, all right. I think he might drop off and come back in, but yeah. yeah. And, and okay. who's that? Who's that? Uh, that's just no. I was just going to say. Um, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Say what you're going to say. Yeah. So manhood really is a life. Really, man or woman can really be just a series of decisions. Right. I'm making a series of decisions. And then it goes back to who is motivating my decisions. You know, we're going to get off this after this point. <laughs> but just in this example, Will wasn't motivated by his own. Uh, decision. Well, he made his own decision, but his motivation motivation was not his own feelings. His motivation was how his woman felt about it. And so we have to really kind of get to this place of um, really, really deciding who is going to be the motivation for the decisions that I make. I think we got you back, Jay. Uh, got a little static, but we might be good. You can go ahead and hop in there if you want, Jay. I don't know what it is, brother. We just having a little issues hearing you. We could hear you earlier, even though it was a little bit of static. Hey, Greg, you don't and you don't have him muted, right? You you can't do that, right? Well, I can do it, but okay, <laughs> but wait. I don't have him muted. Let me okay. mute him and then unmute him just to be on the safe side. So I muted him. Now I'm gonna unmute him. Okay, you want to say something, Jay?
Oh man. Okay, it yeah, might we, be, we it just, might be his laptop. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know if it's your phone or your laptop, brother. Sorry about that. Um man, I really wanted to hear what you had to say on that. Oh yeah, we go we go ahead though. Yeah, we gotta figure yeah. out what we're yeah, we'll we'll yeah, just just keep trying, man. Um but I'm gonna throw one of these questions out here. Uh how does the Bible and we touched on this a teeny bit, but I want to dig deeper into this. How does the Bible define masculinity and i'm gonna come to you marcus but i'm gonna say this real quick um i purposely so when i had this discussion i already knew biblical uh, i already knew masculinity is basically whatever god says masculinity is right whatever manhood is is however god defines it but i kind of purposely just just titled this true masculinity because i want men everywhere to be able to see this title and hear this discussion and and and, and you know kind of kind of come into this conversation a little bit so now that we got that marcus and your and from your perspective how does the bible define masculinity well i think um you know randy you know i uh going to first corinthians uh chapter 11 i was on that same uh chapter and verse so definitely the man does have to uh be under christ and uh walking in his purpose doing what god has commissioned him to do um if he's not doing that then he's just existing and you know he's not living with purpose so i mean christ is very intentional so he expects us as men to be very intentional like um so i would say you know, once a man knows what Christ has for him to do, he rejects passivity in a lot of ways. Like he's not just kind of sitting around or just trying to figure out or, you know, just being swayed by anybody. Because um, like you were saying, I think it was like it was being alluded to. Um, you know, people are following all these outside sources because they don't really know what they're supposed to be doing um, as men. So. Um, biblical masculinity, one, is not passive. It's very intentional living. Um, providing, of course, you can't get around it. Like in uh, 1 Timothy 5 and 8, it says a man that doesn't provide for his own is worse than an unbeliever. So um, a man is supposed to provide uh, not only practical uh, food, but spiritually. I mean, he's supposed to provide that uh washing his wife in the word as like in ephesians 5 says like it's his responsibility to uh be a leader um of over his family or whatever he has to do like a man a leadership is male like um i forgot the author of that book but he's a you know very good biblical scholar but leadership is male and that's very offensive to say nowadays but is just the truth. So I, the truth. So I would say um, living intentionally, uh, biblically living intentionally, providing not just um, money, but spiritual food. So if you don't know what God says in his word and you can't hear from him, then, you know, there's a problem. Um, you're not going to be able to lead correctly. So I know there's more, but, you know, I'll just start with that. Just start off with that. Man, that's a great point. Somebody can hop in there in a minute, but just purpose and intentionality stood out to me because I was just we were just learning about Abraham 
and him sacrificing Isaac. And I was just thinking about the fact that God told him to do a very difficult thing and he got up the next day and did it. And I was just thinking about how sometimes God can tell us something and maybe we question it. Maybe we, you know, I got, I need more confirmation. I got to figure out who I am or, or, you know what I'm saying? Figure out if I'm hearing God correctly, but just looking at the life of somebody like Abraham, when God told him to leave his father's house, he did it. You know what I mean? When, when God uh, told him to sacrifice Isaac, he was willing to do it. And I was just thinking about that. Like God told him something and it wasn't, it wasn't a, a bunch of pushback. It wasn't any of that. Now, of course he had a relationship with God. He was able to negotiate with God on behalf of Lot. Hey Lord, if you can find this many righteous people, can you please spare the city because of that? But when it came to a commandment or as you put it, Marcus, a purpose or an assignment, it was like the intentionality was just there. So, man, does anybody else have any uh, ideas of what biblical manhood is or just any thoughts about anything? Go ahead, Randy. Um, the example that you brought up with Abraham, and then we can also meditate on uh, any of those examples of where a man was obedient to the word of God. Um, when God came with him, came to him and gave him a word or a commandment to do something um, that he may not necessarily have wanted to do. Like you said, Abraham left his 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 family. He left Ur of the Chaldeans and he went out to to the east um, or Abraham was called by God to sacrifice Isaac. Um, I just want us like, you know, not necessarily right now, of course, but to meditate on just the masculinity, like the boldness, the courage, the strength, um, like the audacity it takes to obey the word of God. Um, because, I mean, we read these stories and, you know, we know these stories, but if we actually put ourselves in those people's shoes, I mean, that's hardcore stuff. That's extremely hard to do. Um you know, especially in those days and age, we were talking about Abraham leaving his family. Family is all that you had. Um, and, you know, the land that was your family, you know, raised their stock and grew up in how you, that was what you grew up thinking that you were going to inherit. And so he went off of that to, to who knows what. Nobody supported him. Nobody sponsored him in this. Um there was no plan B if this was going to fail. So, I mean, that's what masculinity looks like. And so many other examples in the Bible, of people stepping out in faith to obey the voice of God. I mean, to me, that's those are the people that I look up to. Those are the people um, I don't I don't look up to. Uh, I mean, give me some symbol of masculinity in this world. I mean, the Wayne Rock Johnson or somebody, some some athlete. I, I can't look up to these people. What's hardcore is what the people in the Bible did when they heard the voice of God telling them to do something that was strange, that was looked down upon. Um, and they obey that despite all the noise around them. And they just walk by faith and they just listen to God's voice. I mean, to me, that's that's masculinity. Yeah. And that goes back to your point earlier about just relating to God you know, as your head relating to Christ as your head, 
Man, Jay, we're going to give you a sh- uh, one more shot uh, to see if you can weigh in or not. Yeah, can you hear me now? Yes. Glory to God. Okay, cool. I had to, sw- <laughs> I had to, sw- I had to switch phones. Yeah, I guess my other phone going out. Well, the other question I was trying to answer um, earlier was, um, I forgot, the, I really forgot the question, but my answer was, um, I thought about Romans 8 and 14. For as many are, are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. I feel like masculinity starts in understanding that you're a son. And when you're a son, you share the attributes of your father. And we know that God is love. And like we we also know uh, what it says in Corinthians about love and things like that. Being patient, being kind, long-suffering, and things like that. So if we're not exhibiting love in a proper way, you know, um, that's not really masculine. And like you said earlier, Greg, no, no, I'm sorry. Randy said this. He said something about if you're not a man or guy, you're effeminate anyway. I think it, I said this, Greg, on on the phone one time. Like in my church, like on the man ministry, one thing we say is you're not a man until you're a man of God. Like until you become, you know, until you become a Christian, you don't know what it is to be a man. Because like the most masculine person in the Bible is Jesus Christ. Like he could, like he's so he's so self restraint. Uh, you know, you know all these things that we look up to, love and things like that. He's the epitome of all these things. If you don't have him in your life, how can you lead your wife? How can you how can you lead your children properly? How can you do these things without Christ? Like some people in the world that do a pretty good job, but the Holy Spirit makes it so much easier because you know He's our helper, and that's why it's important to um to have Him on our side. Do you guys feel that we hear that message about Christ, or or do we hear these talks about masculinity? Go ahead, Marcus. No, I would say like. Um, there's a picture of Christ, right? That's trying to be formed. That's very feminine looking. Um, even the images that are shown of him, uh, trying to make him look, and this is beyond like color or anything like that, but I'm just saying like with the long hair that's on a stained glass and making him look very feminine. But, um, when I started reading the gospels for myself, I started, um, you know, listening to the proper perspective you can see that Christ is like the perfect combination of tenderness and toughness that you're going to get. Like, you know, um, you know, he showed love, he wept, um, which is nothing wrong with that. You know, that taught me that there's nothing wrong with crying sometimes, but when there was disrespect for the things of God, he had a form of aggression that nipped it in the bud. And it wasn't about his pride or his reputation, but it was more along the lines. If I allow people to keep, you know, merchandising and making merchandise of people while I'm in my father's house, then that's going to lead people astray. And that is misrepresenting of who God is. So he went after it like, you know, he didn't sit back. He, you know, he he was very aggressive in that regard. So um, I think to add on, you know, biblical masculinity is um, definitely, you know, being able to show compassion when it's necessary. But it's the um, being able to show aggression for the cause of God, you know, for the cause of God, you know, only not for myself. If somebody steps on my sneakers or disrespects somebody, but to stop people from getting deceived. I would say, because the Bible said, I think it's in Ephesians, it says, don't be a part of the evil work of darkness, but expose them. So sometimes you have to aggressively do that and say, you know, no, I'm not going to let this slide. And then I would say submission as well is a part of it, because you learn how to submit from Christ. 
So if you are very stubborn as a man, then God can't use a stubborn man. He have to use like somebody who's more, he got to grind you up a little bit more into smaller pieces of dust, you know, so he can use you. So, Man, I'm glad you mentioned that, brother, because when you were speaking, the main thing that came to mind is that there doesn't feel like there's a real balance. And that's something that I see in society today. If you just look at things as simple as crime right now, the way the culture is going. And I think the reason is is doing this is because the culture is absent of masculinity, is absent of fathers. But what's happening with criminals is people are saying, OK, you are addicted to drugs. So instead of me admonishing you, maybe even chastising you for this drug use, I'm going to enable you. I'm going to show you an 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 exorbitant amount of compassion, right? And and an imbalanced, excessive amount of compassion because the society as a whole is rejecting masculinity in that way. So you see this whole movement of like defund the police, uh, you know, light jail sentences, all of these different things is just kind of uh, this erosion of chastisement. You know what I mean? It's like. We're no longer going to use any element of strength, any element of discipline, but it's just going to be an element of, of sheer compassion. And we believe, you know, society speaking, humans are inherently uh, good. It's just that they don't have the right atmosphere or environment. And we know that that's not true. Humans are inherently sinful and each of us needs correction. We know the scripture says that the Lord chastises those that he loves and so i feel like in losing the masculinity we're losing the fatherhood element which means we're losing the chastisement and the discipline which means we're losing the order um go ahead randy um i wanted to bring this up um when you brought up the will smith situation but something brother marcus just said reminded me of this point um i actually take issue with making femininity the opposite of masculinity. And we kind of are doing that a little bit in this discussion, but I think that's the trick of the enemy because I think true femininity and true masculinity kind of go together. Um, so to call like Will Smith, uh, he did the masculine thing, or some people said that he, he did the feminine thing. No, he didn't do the feminine thing. He just did a foolish thing. Um, that's not what that wouldn't be a feminine thing. Um, and I, I, I know what people mean by that, by saying that it, 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 it wasn't tough. Um, it wasn't true grit. But uh, one of the ways that the devil manipulates us is by as men and particularly for young men, as you're trying to find that masculinity, um, it's easy for somebody to take something and say, well, this is feminine. Um, and then now you're like, OK, I can't have anything to do with that. Um, so we're talking about even Jesus. Um, so Jesus, um, the image that's put forth by people in this world about Jesus, because they like to talk about all the nice and soft things that Jesus did and all the gentle things that he did. And even the image that people have of Christianity. Like if you like look at, you know, popular culture, like Ned Flanders is supposed to be 
uh, a Christian, right? Right. So Ned Flanders, that that whole image, that whole like um, persona, um, people have that in order to make the devil have that image forth in order to make Christianity look um, unattractive to males. You know, so um, I have I have this disdain for people taking something and saying, oh, well, this is feminine. Uh, you know, a lot of the things that people say is feminine really is not. You know what I'm saying? Really is not because you can see people who are extremely masculine and comfortable in their, you know, in their masculinity and people even in the Bible exhibiting those things. So um, I have like that whole dynamic of masculine feminine there's something wrong with that there's a lot of manipulation with that and let's see maybe we can even talk about that that's an interesting take brother and i'm glad you brought that perspective um man i want to weigh in on that i i think that kind of goes into one of the discussion questions we had which is is masculinity in a crisis right is it in a crisis um, to the point that you just and I want to come to Nate for that one is masculinity in a crisis. But the point that you just made about um, everybody forcing things to be in one box or another. I think that's a valid point. I mean, our minds, we've been trained, I'll say, to think cat dog, you know what I mean? Democratic, Republican, whatever the case may be, opposites and things like that. Um, but are we free to be a person? You know what I mean? Are we free to 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 be whoever it is that God has called us to be? That that gave me a lot to think about. Um, let's let's ask this question, Nate. The one I just said is masculinity right now. Is it in a crisis? Oh yeah, I mean, I definitely think so. I mean, when you look back, um, so I have older parents. My parents are like seventy now, and I mean, my mom said, my mom and dad said they're saying things that they just never thought they would see, you know, um, I used to work in the school system and, and now um, I like what brother Randy said when we try to put this, you know, we've been trained to think masculine, feminine, but when I worked in the school system and I had students, they come to school, well, I got two dads or I got two moms and it's like, so, you know, they would say, my mom, my mom, so-and-so, I don't know, we'll use Jane and Sue. My mom, Jane, is more like um, the feminine type, but my mom, Sue, is more like you know, that's that's my other mom. That's my second mom. She's kind of like the tough mom. So then you get that whole idea of, you know, masculine versus feminine. But the problem is, if you look at it, it's just all sin. That's what it really is. That's what we're calling it. And not to get off topic, but I want to kind of flip this this topic because it's like we're talking about what is biblical manhood. But so I have my Bible right here. The problem is everybody doesn't read the Bible. So I want to go to Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 2.14. It says, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Now, the problem is this. So for us that are believers in Christ, we know what biblical masculinity is or what it looks like. But for those who are not saved, the question is, where do they find their identity? And again, like uh, Brother Randy was saying, you know, he's sparring with somebody and then the dad walks in and then they try to take his head off. Men find their 
their masculinity or their identity, uh, I believe, from other men, men who they look up to. Um, I think I told you this story before, Greg. I was reading a book about this pastor. He's a pastor now. And he said that he was just so hurt as a child. He didn't know who he was. His father walked out on them. He never really knew his father. He said he was just really just just going on a downward spiral. And I think he said he was about 12 or between the ages of 12 through 14. And he said his mom would always try to take him to church and say, well, just let God heal you or just let God do this or let God do that. He said he would go to church. He would listen to the preacher. He said he just wouldn't be interested. He said, so one Sunday he went to church with his mom and he sat in the car and one of the elders or deacons or something like that came to the car and said, hey, son, are you coming into church today? And he said from that point, his life changed because he said he never heard anybody call him son. Never. So I think men really find their identity in other men if if they're not saved, if they're not saved. Now, if you're talking about men in Christ, and that was the question. My question was, number one, how do how do men who are not in Christ, like Will Smith, find their identity? You know, um, and then number two, I was thinking about if you go back to the garden, Adam was in total agreement with God. God said, like, name name the animals. Adam said, if that's a pig, that's a pig. If that's a dog, if that's a chicken, God said, whatever you say, I'm in agreement with you. And then when he sinned and he listened to Eve, um, you know, he, then he started to try to hide and he ran away and he said, well, I was naked or whatever the case may be. And, I, and we want to find some clothes. And God said, who told you that you were naked? God never told him that he was naked. At that point, he had listened to Satan and his identity in Christ was lost. And we haven't gotten back to there since then until Christ came. So I just think that as a man, yes, you're like Brother Jay said, your identity is found in Christ. But for the non-believer, where is their identity found? That's the question I want to ask. Like, where's their identity found? You know, that's a good question, brother. I'm going to ask Jay to really take that one, because I agree with what you said, Nate, that men find their identity from other men. But what I'm noticing a lot today is there's been a removal of men or at least a removal of men of character, right? And so I see a lot of folks taking identity from the, the men that are being presented to them. And these men may not always be integral. You know what I mean? These might just be, you know, uh, the rappers or something like that, things like that. So so do you have any thoughts about that? Oh, you was about to say something, Nate? Go ahead. Yeah, the only other thing I want to say, because I know Jay's going to answer this, answer to this too, but not only do they take the identity, but they take on the actions. I know a lot of I, I grew up with a lot of guys in high school and, you know, they grew up and they became married or they got girlfriends, but they cheated on them or they like beat them or things like that. But that's all they saw their father do. All they saw their father do is not be around and go around and mess with other women. So when they look up to these men, they take on their actions. When you look up to rappers, like you said, you know, the rappers and things like that, they think masculinity is. You got to have all these women or you got to get a lot of money. So not only do they get their identity from them, but they follow their actions, too. Uh, 
I don't know what's going on, bro. Uh, yeah, I see that you're unmuted. It's just, it's just not, not coming through. Um, man. Okay, but yeah, I don't know, bro. It's, it's, it's all good though. Um, man, just uh, what's presented in front of guys today? Let. I almost want to ask if you guys can remember, like the manhood. Or what is a man? Was that something that you were conscious of in your formative years? If you're a, a, a teen, a preteen, did you have an idea of what a man was? And if so, where'd you get it from? I know that's kind of a personal question, but I, I'm literally curious to know. Go ahead, Randy. Yeah, one of the things that God put in my heart, and I'm glad that Brother Nate spoke up about this. Um, and I think that's kind of where your your question may be stemming from. Um as a young man, um, he brought up like this, the young man who was in uh, going to church with his mother and the deacon came in and said, son, um, <clears throat> you know, I always wanted to be a man. I wanted to be the man, right? When I was a kid, uh, um, when I was a kid, I used to hang around kids who were older than me and um, I didn't realize it at the time, but they were supposed to be able to beat me up, but I did not accept that as my fate, you know? And so, you know, I was always, you know, looking for what was the masculine thing to do? Um, you know, how can I, you know, uh, you know, be a man, you know, uh, when I was a little kid, people used to make fun of me. I used to walk with my chest up like that because I thought that's how a man would walk. And the thing about that is <clears throat> I, I just, I just sucked up and believe I had no filter for any of the the image or the standards of masculinity that was put forth to me. So when I was in school, this was all the way up to I was in like middle school, I think about like sixth grade. I believed wholeheartedly that boys were not supposed to do homework. Like I believed that like it was a, a rule. Um, And the thing is, it was just like, it was kind of like I would make things up in my mind that would affirm that I would look at the girls and how organized their folders would be and how neat their handwriting would be and how they would just and I just could not write that neatly. I just could not organize my stuff like that. And I was like, homework is for girls. Boys do not do homework. We just sit in class when they ask for our homework. We just we just like, you know, we don't turn any anything. And. The pivotal moment for me was my older brother had came back from college. And um, I didn't know this, but my behavior started to change. And one of my teachers noticed it. And um, this one time he said something to me. He said, um, school is important. He just simply said that. And of course, I had been hearing that from my mom and other people and my teachers all along. But when he said it, it made it seem like, oh, so you mean like boys can do homework? Like that's okay for us? We do that? I was like, all right, cool then. I'm going to do my homework every day. And that literally changed my entire academic career from middle school up into high school. But before that, I had this belief that 
homework was only for girls. And where I got that from, you know, I don't know, but it just crystallized as I was growing up. And so I I love um, like we're talking about, you know, men finding their identity in Christ. But we also need to, um, you know, we all did just show up and become the people that we are today. We're all growing and we need males. We need examples we need people to inspire us that's the human that's the human relationship and that's the human life and that's what the body of christ actually is for um we need other males we need other examples that's why the scriptures even talk about that relationship with you know the older women will mature the younger women and stuff like that we need those people to help mature us so that's a good thing how our perception um of masculinity has changed over the years Man, that's powerful, brother. I'm gonna come. I'll oh, go ahead, Marcus. You can go ahead, and hop in there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, that was powerful, Randy. And um, it's important. Like to go back to the question that you had. I think it was this masculinity under attack. And um, you know, I believe that it. You know, it clearly is. Um, you know, growing up. You know, I'm over 40, so I remember like the reruns of shows called um, Father Knows Best and um, Leave it to Beaver, where it was like the family was relying on the father like that dominated the culture. So it was like, even though it might not be like a biblical show and, you know, in its purpose, but when the culture follows biblical principles, then that culture is going to be blessed when, you know, certain biblical principles dominate the culture. But now there is, um, you know, there is a very strategic and intentional uh, movement to like trivialize fatherhood and um, even, you know, in the black community to even incentivize having a father out of the home. You know, as far as people getting more money and more compensation, as far as not having fathers in the home. So I think that is having a dramatic effect on the culture, but it's also seeping in into the church. Like, you know, the true Bible believing church, like um, a lot of men don't see think it's the manly thing to do to be in a true biblical Christian church because the enemy is attacking the truth you know, so heavily. So you have men who want to have some type of discipline or even spiritual discipline, and they're going into other areas like um, maybe Islam or um, Hebrew Israelites and things like that, because they see a lot of men operating in what they think masculinity should be. And um, I just don't think it's an accident that the numbers are, you know, keep declining and the examples of manhood as far as like um, in the world and in the church are declining so much. But um, I think like either Brother Randy or Brother Jay said that, um, you know, we need more examples right in front of our face, like right in our communities and not letting them give us these broken people, these broken examples. Like everybody's talking about Will Smith for a reason, you know, even Forbes has an article about it, like as far as, you know, him protecting and, you know, protecting his wife and everything like that. And, you know, 
I hate to bring it back up, but what bothered me about that issue the most is that he started justifying his actions by putting God in the middle of it. Like he said, you know, yeah, I was called by God to do this and play this role and do these things. So now there's a lot of confusion there. And because we don't, the examples aren't prevalent, then, um, you know, a lot of people are being led astray. Um, you know, like a few of us said that those actions, you know, they're they're going to follow his actions instead of somebody to say, you know what? That was just a joke. Relax. You know what I mean? So it's um, yeah, that that's my take on it. But yeah, to answer your question, I think it is. Yeah, there's an attack on masculinity outside of the church and inside of the church. And then one more thing, like I hate to say it um, like this, but when you see kind of like middle age um middle-aged white women starting to <laughs> say something about an issue, then you know it's kind of like spreading even beyond just maybe our community in that sense, the black community. I know we're all Christians first, but like I saw a book and it was pretty interesting. You know, I started reading it. It was called The War Against, um, The War on Boys. And it was by um, a middle-aged um, white lady and saying how the, um, the manhood and the efforts and the success of boys and men is declining in her community. They're, um, as far as earning, as far as going to school, like Brother Randy was saying, they're, they're not doing well in school. They're not going to college as much, you know, and this is her demographic. So I was like, wow, I thought that was interesting. So it's like similarly during the Reagan era when I was in grade school, you know, it was like when drugs started pouring out everywhere, then it became the war on drugs. You know, it was like a national problem. So basically, when I see that, it's like, you know, this this white woman is saying, look, manhood is a national problem. It's not just like our fathers are not present in the home, but it's, you know, I'm getting concerned about it, you know, everywhere. So. I'm going to try you again, Jay. I hope, I'm hoping we can get it get it popping. But I want to ask you this question real quick. You hear me good? I think so, yeah. Unless we're going to strike while the iron is hot. Um, <laughs> I, I wanted to ask you this, man. Um, how did you perceive masculinity growing up? And the reason I'm asking is because there's, there's other young men after us, you know what mm -hmm. I mean, who can benefit from this. So answer that, and then you can just weigh in on whatever else she was going to say before. Um, I grew up in a two parent household household and my father, I know my father and like, you know, they, I, and, um, my parents are still married. So I have a very positive outlook. He never cheated on my mom. He never stepped out. He always went to work. He always did what he needed to do. So it really helped me in my relationship with Christ too, because once I um, came to Christ, it was easy for me to understand the love of a father because I grew up in that way. So when there's a lack of, um, fathers, and things like that. Remember, Greg, I think one time on your, your channel, you posted about um, it was some men went to a school and the boys stopped fighting just because the men were there. So um, mm -hmm. it's really, really important to have that, that male figure in your life. And like I know my grandfather, he was a, a, a good man and things like that. And me going to church now, I have a good pastor. He's not doing anything wild. So um, I think what I was uh, saying earlier, um, I think they said it. The question was like, um, what do what do unsafe people do? Honestly, you you be a product of who you look up to, 
if you're looking up to Tupac, you're going to act like Tupac. If you look up to Will Smith, you're going to start smacking everybody and say something about your wife. You know, it's just what it is. You know, that's that's what you're going to look up to them and things like this. So it's really important to have positive influences in um um every, you know to look up to and things like that because when a person's not saved it's kind of like a person why do people join gangs because they, they embrace them and they love them but you're gonna be robbing people doing all type of dumb stuff but they feel that love and then embrace somebody giving them money take care of them give them clothes and stuff that they don't have at home because either father's absent or he's not doing what he's supposed to do so that's my perspective on that Man, that's a good perspective, man. I just want to weigh in on a few things going back to the last point that Brother Randy made about uh, just these ideas. You know what I mean? These ideas. Where do we get these ideas from? And it got me thinking about how important it is to get to men first or I say boys to get to boys first. Humans, period. The first thing that we hear, usually that creates something in our minds and it becomes harder to break that down. You know, how often have we seen a news story that comes out and it's like you heard the first report and then they came out with another report after that, that 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 was contradicting to it. But it was true. But so many people are married to the first the first part. Right. And so it just got me thinking about uh, these notions. You know, where do we get these notions uh, to I'll tell a, a funny, silly story. I remember I was in maybe first grade and my parents packed my lunch and they packed me a bologna sandwich. And if you've ever seen bologna, sometimes it'll have these little crevices in it or whatever. And an older kid who might have been in maybe like the fourth grade said, ew, you eat bologna. He's like, you know why bologna looks like that? Because they let rats eat on it before they serve it to people. And so I went home and I told my mom, I don't want you. I don't like bologna anymore. And for several years, like I just didn't like bologna, but I really liked it. It's just that somebody had placed an idea. The Bible calls these imagination strongholds. Somebody had placed an idea in my mind and then it took, uh, I guess, time or just growing out of that to be able to tear that down. Right. And then operate in truth. And so I'm going to tell this really quickly. Because I don't want to keep you brothers too long. And I also want to get to at least one or two questions from the chat. But really just thinking about my idea of manhood growing up, I wasn't very conscious of it. But I think all men and women growing up, we're just self-aware and conscious of just growing up. And I grew up in a two-parent household. My dad went to work and came home. You know what I mean? He, he was blue-collar. And that was really the first image presented to me. Once I got to be about middle school, high school age, I started getting into rap. I started listening to Master P and, uh, you know, like a little bit of uh, Bad Boy and stuff like that. And then I really got heavy into like cash money. And so now my, my image of a man or, or what I saw as a successful man, the imagery that was presented to me was contradictory to what I saw from my dad, you know, my dad was successful in the sense of being able to lead a family and provide for his family, but he's competing against a hundred thousand uh, 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 dollar uh, chain around his neck. He's competing against a Bugatti. He's competing against video vixens and things like that. And so for a while, 
Like, even though I couldn't really walk in that. And I think it's actually by the grace of God that I wasn't good at that. Like there's certain things that now that I'm saved, I'm glad I wasn't better at it. You know what I mean? While I was out in the world, I was in the club uh, all the time, but I wasn't really like a great clubber. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I'm glad now that I wasn't good at that. But I say all of that to say that because my dad laid that image down first, even when this other imagery from Cash Money Records came to uh, snatch me away, and maybe for a while it did, not with the thugging, but, you know, with the women and to a certain degree the money, when it came and it did that, it still wasn't enough to break down that foundation. And I say all of that to say that maybe it's on us because we all in our uh, 20s, 30s and 40s. It's probably on us now to get these other boys while they're young, show them something that's winning and then tell them why it's winning. You know what I mean? And tell them what the result of the other stuff is, because that stuff usually doesn't last long. Praise the Lord. So what I'm going to do now, fellas, I see a couple comments in the chat. Unless anybody else had anything, go ahead and hop hop in. But I saw a couple questions earlier that I want to get to. Uh, we'll try not to go past 830. Um, man, I know Sister Marsha had one that was interesting. She says, so there's a scripture says the Lord is a man of war. God She's is a man at, of war? Yeah. She asked this question. Is violence and savagery an extreme facet of masculinity or humanity? I'm going to leave that up because I need to meditate on that question a little bit. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I was just going to, you know, well, go ahead, Jay. <laughs> I was oh, that's I, a very good question. I got, I got to think about it too. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking, if I'm thinking right, uh, so this is from Marsha, God's a man of war, it's violence and savagery and extreme facet of masculinity. So I think, again, I think that's an extreme facet of humanity, not masculinity, because just like uh, Brother Randy was talking about when um, I forgot which prophet that was, but he was basically telling God to, uh, yeah, bring fire down from heaven and kill all these people and, you know, do all this and do all that. And it's just like um, I remember when Peter drew out his sword and he cut off the soldier's ear and he said, look, if you live by the sword, you're going to die by the sword. And that's the same thing. You know, you tell these young guys now, you, you know, you live by the you live by the bullet, you're going to die by the bullet like. You know, so I, I think that's violence and, uh, you know, savagery. I think that's a that's an extreme facet of humanity, not masculinity, because it doesn't make you masculine if you pull out a, a knife and stab somebody or a gun and shoot someone. Because those same guys that are doing that, once you get them in that jail prison, oh, you know, they crying and they actually become uh, somebody else's, I guess, for lack of terms, you know, woman or whatever the case may be. So, no, I, I think that's an extreme facet of, um, you know, humanity. Um, now, if you look back, I'll say this real quick. If you look back in the Old Testament um, and we're under the new covenant now of grace. So, you know, um, you know, God was saying, like, it shouldn't be like, you know, an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth. Like, you know, someone smacks us. We supposed to turn the other cheek. We're not, you know, saying let's kill this and that. But back in the Old Testament, we better be glad we're not living back in that time, because in those days, God was just allowing people to die left and right. He was allowing them to, you know, do war and things like that. But we're under the new covenant of grace when Jesus came and we're not just 
killing people and you know being violent all you know all outright. So that's that's my take on that. It's it's a facet of um, uh, humanity. Go ahead, Randy. Um, the word that stood out was the the word extreme because that's a very relative term. Extreme. Um, that word is defined by um, being on the high end of like some spectrum somewhere. Right. So if the temperature is extreme in Texas, that means it's like 98 degree, 100 degrees plus or extreme on the other end would be negative 10 or something like that. Those are extreme weather. So um, the Bible says that well, many of us believe that we're in the end times. So we're on a high end of the time spectrum of our existence here on this planet. So um, are these extreme times? Um, would these times call for extreme measures? Um, you think about um, when Jesus was coming into the world and that beginning of the new covenant was starting. God brought forth a man. He was called a man of God, the prophet um, John the Baptist. And a lot of people looked at John the Baptist as a savage and as a person who was very extreme. Um, his diet was certainly extreme um, with locusts and honey. So like extreme is a relative thing. Um, again, the Bible says that, you know, there's a time and place for everything. I know a lot of people take that like savage is like a pop culture term. Um, but um, there's we have to seek the Lord um, for what is the righteous thing, the right thing to do in the moment and time and the space that we're in. And the Lord will empower us to be that person that we need to be. Anybody else got any thoughts about that? Go ahead, Marcus. Yeah, I was going to say, um, you know, just to piggyback off like the timeline um, that we're in. Um, a lot of things that happened in the Old Testament um, were for our example. But then sometimes the Bible uh, spiritualizes in the New Testament and gives us clear direction of what we're supposed to be about and how that example, the spiritual connection, right, to that practical um, example. So, for example, you know, the scripture says that um, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but, you know, are mighty and pulling down a stronghold. So now we understand spiritually the war, you know, as Christians that we're supposed to be fighting. Um, and sometimes you have to get savage, you know, <laughs> you know, sometimes you have to get very aggressive. You can't be nice to demons. You can't be nice to um the flesh when it wants to sin and everything you can't be nice to deception you know so um you know we have to cast down imaginations and and thoughts and things like that so um it is necessary for christian like all christians not just masculine or feminine christians to be very savage in that regard and that's what you know i see of it if you know in the new testament when the bible mentions war it's various a spiritual um thing absolutely man i'm just looking through these comments i don't see many other questions i do see some comments here man there's so much that we can go through on this i'm gonna ask this question as of right now uh as of this exact moment none of us are married but 
so so we're going to be answering this as like a hypothetical. And I'm asking this question because this is literally something that I've thought about uh, as a husband and a father. How is a man, a God fearing man to protect his family? Um, how do we go about protecting our wife and children? Now, let me let me say this real quick, too, because one of the reasons I've thought about this is just the idea of guns. And I know that there's some believers that feel as though, you know, uh, we can have guns and some that feel as though we can't. You know what I mean? It's just like, um, you know, we just going to have some faith. <laughs> Fair enough. But I've just thought about, OK, uh, you know, God forbid somebody breaks into your house or something like what are you supposed to do as a man of God? How do we respond to that? Um, so I'm just I'm just literally curious to get you guys thoughts about that. I'm going to start with Nate. Yeah, so I'm closest to it. Um, so, okay, you're talking about physically protecting. I'm talking about physically, I guess in general, every aspect of the word, but mainly like, okay, uh, yeah, it, it, physically, right? Physically, let's just say that. So, yeah, some people feel differently about this. For me, I... Uh, I've never even, I'm not, I, I don't think I'm a weapons person. Um, I wholeheartedly believe and trust that the Lord, um, as long as I'm following him, I, I wholeheartedly believe that the Lord will fight our battles and keep my family protected and things like that. Now, I'm not saying things do not happen, but um, when you talk about protecting family, not physically, but emotionally and spiritually as far as well, I'll be willing to die for my family. If someone broke into my house or said, you know, I need this or I need that, or I'm, you know, it's either you or your wife and kids. No, take me. So I guess physically, you know, that's how I protect, you know, or if somebody's trying to rob my wife or a group of guys or whatever the case may be, they trying to rob, you know, Hey, no, I'm, I'm jumping in there. Y'all do what y'all got to do to me, but not to her and my kids. Now, I mean, it doesn't always happen that way. But again, I, I, I'm not, to me, I don't know. That's just me. I'm not a guy uh, for weapons. Like, I, I've never held a gun. Or maybe I have, but, you know, I've never, like, shot one. I've never even been to the gun range, you know, which I want to go. So I, I'm just not one of those guys for weapons. So, I mean, that, that's a good question, man. For me, I just wholeheartedly believe and trust that the Lord will protect me and protect my family. So, I mean, that's just what I believe, but uh, maybe someone else can answer differently on that. It's a good question. Yeah, I'm gonna get a military grade uh, stun gun. Okay, I'm with that. <laughs> you know, I can probably get a, I don't even know. I was gonna say, maybe I can have a taser, but you know, I. <laughs> Before all that, you might as well just get a gun. <laughs> it, it's just something that I've wondered before. You know what I mean? Uh, it's just yeah. something I've wondered because I've heard very various perspectives on it. You know what I mean? And and really, I say a family, but it even goes down goes to yourself. You know what I mean? Like we have to protect ourselves out and about. I think Jesus says something like, um, "Man, if somebody uh, takes your coat or something, give them two. I might have butchered that. But uh, these, these are just things that I'm thinking about because we started this conversation with this whole idea of protecting, right, um, protecting women and things like that. And I think we established that a lot of that protection comes spiritually, 
But I was just curious to get you guys thoughts about like just in every aspect of the word, um, how to protect and stuff like that. Yeah, that's a battle to be be serious. I've thought about it. You know, should I you know, should I get a gun, um, you know, for the house or, you know, just learn how to shoot one because you never know. But I keep on going back and forth and I always lean back to no, nah, I don't need one. So, mm. Man, praise the Lord, man. Listen, fellas, we, we were you about to say something, Randy? Go ahead. Yeah, I wanted to um, answer the question um, with the, the gun thing. Uh, maybe about six months ago, um, I've always been interested in guns. Um, I went to the gun range uh, probably twice and I had a good time. Um, and I'm a martial artist. Um, and so I like the art of weaponry and stuff like that. Um, so I was actually looking forward to purchasing a gun and then going training and stuff like that. But I took it to the Lord and the Lord was telling me not to get a gun. Now, that doesn't mean that 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 that's the case for every Christian man. But the Holy Spirit was leading me not to get a gun. And so I just accepted that and I, I, I moved on Um, how we should protect our family and our, our wife and, and, and children. Um, obviously, I'm not married and I don't have any children. But going back to what we originally said, that the, 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 the man is under Christ. Um, we're looking to Christ to be our protector, the, the one to protect us and our wife and our family. Um, I think uh, I think naturally uh, every man should be in some sort of physical shape. Um, I think that 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 should be uh, something that we should think about being physical shape. Um, I think uh, naturally we should be able to. Um, I think ultimately it's about because um, the Bible says that Christ loved the church and he died for the church. And what Nate said that he's willing to die for his wife and family. Um, hypothetically speaking, we can. Um, we can imagine anything, but you don't know what you're going to do until you're in that situation. But the best thing that you can do is prepare your heart, um, prepare your heart to be more like Christ. So when that time comes, when the soldiers come, like they came to approach Jesus and he stood in front of the disciples and says, here I am. He protected them. Um, Peter didn't have to go and get the knife because Jesus offered up himself. And so um, I think that's the role of the man um, when it comes to his family. Um, but that takes us to prepare our heart and to prepare our minds um, for whatever situation that we could find ourselves in this world, because um, the Bible do cause to be overcomers. Man, praise the Lord. Man, fellas, I enjoyed this hangout. Um, I see a lot of comments. I apologize for not being able to get to all of them, but we're going to wrap it up. What I want to do is just kind of do some closing comments to give you guys an opportunity to just say any final thoughts about this topic overall, just about what is biblical manhood? Where are we today in society? I think there was a few other questions that we didn't uh, fully get into, like is is masculinity a make uh, receiving a makeover? Um, most of these we did get to is masculinity to provide or protect. But since Randy just spoke, I'm actually go to reverse way. So I'm going to start with you, Nate, just about any final thoughts that 
that you want to say for this discussion or what you might tell a young man uh, if he's asking questions about what it means to be a man? Um, just simply, I would tell him what it means to be a man is to uh, love God, uh, follow God, find your identity in Christ. He may not know what that means. So, you know, I think it's up to us to, um, you know, show them the example. Um, it's, it's a lot of young men around my neighborhood and um, they, so there's, when I say young men, I mean like ages, probably like 12 through 16. And, but then there's other guys in the neighborhood that's probably like early twenties, early thirties. And they just stand up on the corner and they smoke and they listen to music and they drink and they cuss and they talk about women. And this is the type of stuff that the young men in my neighborhood look up to because there are a lot of those guys out there that are doing that stuff, but it's not a lot of us. So I think um, just telling them that those actions that they see from those other men are, are not cool. And, you know, they don't want to end up like them because all those guys up there, I mean, they be up there all times of night. Like to me, there's, there's no way they work there. I mean, they just get up, they get up to smoke, they get up to drink. And, you know, I think just by showing them the example that they don't want that, for their lives because it doesn't lead to anything, then that's when they start to ask, well, how do I get out of that? Well, let's find your identity in Christ. So I just think we just have to lead them and point them to God. That's all I can really say. Jay, you want to hop in there? Oh, yeah, this this is really, really good. Um, I was thinking in First Kings chapter 2, verse 2, the first thing David said to Solomon was, show yourself a man. Like, so in the Bible masculine is very very important then i was thinking about the serpent came to eve it never said he went to adam so the enemy knows how important a man is that's why he attacks the head first because if the head fall that's just what it is like is it there's no protection for the woman and things like that now can women hold down can women pray i love women women can do a lot of things but there's a certain level of authority god has granted to men and we have to understand and um, understand who we are in christ because like um Nate just said, that's the example that they see. And then like then we like we're talking about now, there's a deficit of men in the body of Christ and in the world. There's a whole bunch of males, but there's not enough men. So we all have to do our part. And a lot of times it seems like an overwhelming, daunting task, but everything starts with us. If we just do our part and make a difference in our areas in life, we really can um bring forth serious change in our community and things like that. It'll eventually get a little better, but we we all know until New Jerusalem comes, until we go to heaven, it's gonna ultimately be what we want it to be. But as of right now, we have to do the best uh, best we can by leading by example. And if it's taking children under our wing or doing something, just little things in the community or even at our church or you know however we want to go about that, we just have to seek the Lord about it and be led by the Spirit, and He'll give us exactly what we can do to make a difference. You got you got any final thoughts, Marcus? Yeah, that was well said. Um, just to piggyback off of uh, Jay, um, it just reminded me of uh, James chapter one, verse 27. And God is describing um, in his word what true religion is. A lot of people say, oh, I'm not religious. But when God says what pure religion is, he says pure and undefiled pure religion and undefiled before God and the father is this to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted 
from the world. So it's not only, you know, that we're living righteously, but pure religion is actually taking care of people who don't have fathers in their lives and women who don't have husbands, you know, to take to, you know, lead them spiritually. So, I mean, I guess anybody could visit the fatherless, but um, I think, you know, you would probably want a man to visit the fatherless. That's what pure religion is. And in that, to spiritualize that, people without a father need to be reconciled to God anyway. Everybody needs to be reconciled to God anyway, whether you have a father or not. So that verse and saying that that's true religion kind of epitomize everything that we're, you know, talking about um, today. People who don't have fathers need one. People who don't have spiritual father, their heavenly father need one. Everybody needs father. So we just have to get busy. You got any final thoughts, Randy? Yeah. Um, first of all, I want to say thank you for having this discussion and hosting this panel. Um, this is a very important topic. Um, I'm hard pressed to think of a topic more important than this, because um, I think um, a lot of the issues, a lot of major issues in this world stems from this question and people's perception of what masculinity is. And I think um, depending on what standard or what your image of masculinity is, it really shapes your mind as a young man and ultimately the person that you become. Um, so uh, what I would say um, is I, I would love um, for the image and the standard of masculinity to be make over by men of God. I would love for that to change. I would love to just take out that Ned Flanders type of Christianity and that image and just throw that out. And I, I would say to people that um, the most extreme thing, the most hardcore thing, um, you want to be edgy, you want to be a uh, gangster, whatever you want to be, whatever you call it, is to follow God, is to actually find God. Because what that requires is it, it requires you emptying yourself. And that's a very difficult thing for a man to do. Um, you have to humble yourself um, in order to find this, this being that we call God, the, the Lord God, the King of Kings. Um, and I just, I just would, man, my wish is that people would realize how hardcore walking in Christ actually is. Um, there's a reason why too many people um, that that the role is narrow. The role is narrow because um, it's a hard road road to walk. It's not it's not narrow for any other reason besides that. <laughs> that there, there's a reason why only one person in this world um, lived a righteous life and was the perfect man is because nobody else could do it. Um, so if you want to challenge yourself, it's easy to be a jay-z it's easy to be um people don't think it's easy um i don't say it's easy in this in terms of the, a lot of the money you make but the moves and the mentality and the way that he think it's easy to take up those uh those concepts and live like that it's easy to be these people in this world actually it's really quite easy um but um it's very very difficult to walk in the spirit and and, and to follow the lord and so if you want to challenge yourself in life go that path Go go to the path that's less traveled. Um, 
And that's that would be my closing statement. Praise the Lord, man. I'm glad you highlighted that. Uh, what each of you said was amazing. Um, man, I'm just grateful that we had this discussion. And I love what you guys were saying just about uh, presenting the image of what a man is. I, w- one thing Nate said got me thinking a little bit about how he was saying there's not enough of us. And I'm just wondering, I'm not I'm not going to start another discussion. I'm going to close out with this. Maybe we can pick it up on, on another one, right? I'm just wondering. I'm like, good, man. Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm just wondering, like, like, how many of us are there? You know what I mean? Because sometimes the loudest people um, get the most attention. And when you're living a, a humble lifestyle, a meek lifestyle, if you're minding your business, if you're just serving the Lord, um, you know, that's not as flashy. Oh, I just got a cramp in my leg. That's not as flashy as like some of the other um, lifestyles that are out there, you know. So I was just thinking, man, like, because I, I remember I heard a statistic one time that actually shocked me. And it was one of these uh, Kevin Samuels statistics. So I don't know how true it was or where he got it from. But I think he said something like, and I could be getting this wrong, but he said 80 percent of the children that are born are and he's talking about the black community. He said 80 percent of the children that are born only come from 18 percent of the males. And when I heard that, I was just like taken aback because I was like, what that means is uh, you just got one. You got 18 percent of males or black males for the statistic he was given that are just going out and impregnating multiple women, but it's giving the image that, you know, this is all black males do. But then when I think about it, right, I don't have any kids. Randy doesn't have any kids. Marcus, Jay, Nate don't have any kids. Even the guys that I grew up with that are not saved. Right. Um, I don't need to call their names, but it's about four or five of them. I think out of all of us, only one of us has a kid um the rest of us don't so i guess what i'm saying is i'm a, i'm a, i'm gonna take this thought and meditate on it like how many of us are there you know when i say us i mean you know god fearing men really i'm talking about decent men but let's narrow it down to god fearing men you know what i mean and what type of impact can we make because we know from gideon we know from other people in the bible god doesn't need a whole lot to do a grand and great thing he can do a whole lot with a little bit so i just want to kind of end on that note once again i want to thank you fellas for joining me listen these guys keep me keep me on point y'all see why i come on here sharp you know what i mean so i appreciate iron sharpening iron uh lord willing man if we can get together and have another conversation like this or uh, you know expanding this topic more even another topic i'm always open to that But other than that, family, I thank y'all for hanging out with us tonight. I was truly blessed by this conversation. Um, I apologize for not getting to every comment and all that. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and, you know, watch this back later and see what we can pick up for the next one. That's all I have in this Solid Talk family. You all take care and be blessed. Culture can't keep me in check And from beginning gotta tell us what's next True believers they can come and connect Call in or even come as a guest And show each other respect 
keep it solid I'm dropping knowledge, wisdom, understanding, just like you done went to college. Devil know we working, his goal is to try to stop it. Helmet of salvation and shield of faith that'll block it. Controversial topics, just to keep it honest. Truth hit hard, just like it's a blunt object. Culture living godless, I can't even call it. We in the last days, Babylon is falling. Don't kill the messenger, I can't mess with ya Points got a plethora, this life will keep on testing ya Let's walk and get the best of ya I'm trying to tell you bruh, only around the shell We say we trying to get the rest Speaking of ya Speaking out loud in depth, cancel culture can't keep me in check In from beginning, gotta tell us what's next True believers, they can come and connect Call in or even come as a guest and show each other respect Spiritual wickedness in high places Trying to cause division with the people and the races Jesus gave commission, say go out to all the nations So we streaming live on television and the stations No, we taking off like asteroids up in the spaces The cross was Eddie Murphy, Dan Aykroyd, we trading places The lost must understand that we cannot be void of graces So we preach it to a generation that is faithless Understand his greatness, ancient of the ages Written on my heart, the red letters of the pages, the blood of Jesus covers all my sin and it erases. I pleaded and believe it, so it covers all my bases. Speaking out loud in depth, cancel culture can't keep me in check. In from beginning, gotta tell us what's next. True believers, they can come and connect. Call in or even come as a guest and show each other respect. Try and keep my sanity amongst calamity. Social media, nothing more than narcissistic vanity. PC culture on a mission, and they try to cancel me, but I know Jesus gonna. Keep me covered like a canopy Blood give me amnesty No I can't handle me Not where I wanna be But best believe I plan to be Flesh wrestle against the spirit Main event and slambery So I need them every day This daily, weekly, annually Iron sharp as iron So I'm strengthened by my brethren We may not meet down here But guarantee the link in heaven The born again and righteous Are the ones he's gonna let in Let's keep the faith And be amongst the saints When they step in